0: You are trying to sneak a foothold here in soonest to steal my country by sleight of hand. The continental powers dither, but they won't stand for an unprovoked assault, and your emperor is not yet ready for one. The continent would come to my aid before he was ready for war and spoil all his plans. You think so? You bank on that, Nesh asked. he' had been backing away and almost reached the double doors that led to the stage. I do well said the ambassador. We will see then, won't we? He threw open the doors, revealing soldiers armed with crossbows. He turned back to me, shouting, Kill! I shot him too. Woo! Woohoo! Woo-hoo! <laughs> Welcome, wolves and dogs. I'm Noelle. And I'm Caitlin. And this is the Aetolian Archives, your Queen's Thief re podcast to help you recover from Return of the Thief. It's January 24th, 2021.
1: What was, listen, what was Akritanesh's plan? If he had literally just killed the heir and now elected king of Sunis in front of, like, every baron in the country? Where was he gonna go with that? Right,
0: because Sophos is right about
1: the (laughs) continent
0: will come if it's... Who knows? I mean, maybe he had another guy who was, like, his backup guy. You know, you've got a spare, a spare king, just in case.
1: Yeah. But, like, you would think killing the king in front of every baron there would be, like, crossing his lines.
0: He could have at very least escaped with his own life, I guess, because all his his men are waiting. That's true. And yeah. He's got at least a couple barons in his
1: pocket. Yeah, a lot of them, I guess. Yeah, I mean, maybe, you know, maybe with his backup guy, Hynactus, Comemnus, whatever, they could have, I don't know, papered over it. <laughs> Yikes. This is such a good chapter.
0: So this good. is the climax of the book. This blew my mind the first time that I read oh it, my God. it still does. Yes. When he finally looks... Underneath the bottom panel of the box, and he sees what's inside, and he puts his head down on the desk and cries.
1: Ah! Uh, and the shooting scene—easily one of the top three moments in the series. He's looking at Gretnesh dead in the <laughs> eye, and he shoots an uh, So good! This Sophos did it. Oh, uh, this. Okay, this I would love to see on screen. I know. Me too. Oh. I was
0: just thinking about how if they were to adapt this book and Sophos, I would be afraid that they wouldn't do his scars. Because mm-hmm. that's a lot to to have happen to a character permanently, because then the, the makeup department has to do that every single time. Yeah. Um. So, if they were lazy, they could just not do it. And that would be a huge disappointment. Yeah. Because when he smiles... He looks like his uncle. He looks like someone who's never regretted a life lost. Uh, Plot twist. And he's able to see that. He looks in the mirror finally, which he's literally looking in the mirror at his literal face, but also like he does some self-reflection and he understands how other people see him, which is as a person who is capable.
1: After all of his advice asking through the rest of the book, he's decided what he's going to do before he looks at Jen's advice. Mm -hmm. Which I think is a step.
0: And he's really assertive just with thing after thing after thing here.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think he underestimated himself because he says, you know, I I thought I wouldn't have the nerve to carry this out, but in the moment it was easy. Mm. I love that he says, if I couldn't be Edis, I would be Atolia.
0: Yeah. Those are his role models, the two women. Mm -hmm. On this time reading it, I noticed that there's a lot of emphasis put on the fact that he when he shoots Hanakdos, he reaches into one pocket and he shoots Hanakdos with his left hand. Mm-hmm. And then he uh, gets the other gun because they take some time to reload. So it, it matters that he has to. And he shoots Akretnish with his right hand. Um, and that's mentioned like several times. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know if I can project some sort of significance to the fact that he's using both hands there and that he doesn't, like, he doesn't s- switch the gun from one hand to the other
1: so that he can use his dominant hand. It's also strange that he starts out with his left, you know? What's the yeah. point of not starting out with his dominant hand, even if he was planning on using two? Like, I can see that he would plan to use both to keep one in acratonish maybe but not plan to fire it Mm -hmm. but he was definitely planning obviously to fire with the first one so why not use his dominant hand I mean he says Hmm. that the the Hanakto shot was with his left hand
0: but it was okay because he'd had all day to line it up Mm -hmm. whereas when he has the second gun in his right hand that's when he's he doesn't know exactly where he's gonna have to shoot or if
1: he's gonna have to shoot that's true And he says, um, after after he does shoot Akritinesh, he says, I do aim better with my right than my left, but thank gods the new gun kicked to one side. We've talked a lot in recent episodes about how, um, how Sophos had a lot more direct involvement of the gods early on. He had their advice, he had help, kind of, and now he, he doesn't have that as much. But in this chapter... You know, I kind of realized, kind of thought about how many of the things in this chapter are kind of left up to divine luck or fate or chance like the new gun kicking to one side. Yeah, so maybe he does have a little bit more help than we've been uh, giving the gods credit for. He says, um, alright, I don't remember what he was referring to and I didn't write it down, but it says... Uh, it is not a ruse that would have worked anywhere but in the sacred precinct where the woods are uninhabited. Oh yeah, hiding the army. Um, right, yeah. But this is also marking um, the breaking of the sacred truce.
0: Yeah, but no lightning strikes him down. Yeah. <laughs> lightning has not yet struck anyone down. And so he says, it, the gods must be on my side. I think mean, we could ascribe some sort of significance to like an association between Jen and the left hand and like Sophos he is like he has been relying on Jen and Jen's advice so much and then when he takes that second shot he's sort of like that's Sophos as soon as very much in his own individual identity
1: yeah and pairing that with the inscriptions on the guns the first one says yeah the queen made me and the second one says I make the king ah makes me wonder if the atolias have anything inscribed on their matching guns (laughs) His and hers. We know they have a set.
0: At the theater of it all. <gasps> when when Akhretnesh says, did you really think that they would make you king? Everybody can hear him because of the acoustics yeah. of the place. Um, it says that uh, Akhretnesh, he, he's backing up and um, he's backing up towards the stage door when he has his reveal that he has assassins <laughs> and um, uh, the baron who looks as if a god had descended from the ceiling to rescue him.
1: Yeah. still have all this imagery. And it's not lost on Sophos because that, um, you know, that that little metaphor of like the Baron looks so relieved is in Sophos' narration. I wanted to ask you, uh, when Acritanesh comes and stands down by Sophos and says, did you really think they would make you king? And because of the acoustics, all of the barons can hear him. It says, uh, the barons recoiled. And I wanted to know what you think that's about, because they are the ones who just finished basically betraying Soonest to the Mead and choosing Mead power over backing Sophos. So why would they recoil at having that stated out loud, you know?
0: I definitely think it's, it's the breaking of the performance, right? Because everyone yeah. is pretending that this is all legit and above board and... In the honest best interest of the country, but of course it isn't, and everybody knows that. But everybody was just going to pretend forever like it was. Mm-hmm. And then that moment is everybody has to look at each other and themselves and acknowledge what they just did.
1: Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And in a similar line, um, when Sophos pulls out the gun and points it, the second gun, and points it at Akrotanesh, it says, his diplomatic mask dissolved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Masks.
0: <laughs> Underneath the gun, there was
1: another gun! <laughs> Two guns! Oh, a tense moment with his dad? What was the pause about, huh? Yeah, he doesn't know if his dad's gonna vote for him. And, his dad! And it says, He stood and looked down at me for so long, I thought the sun had stopped in the sky. When he said king, he said it so firmly that people nearby him winced. So, wow. What was that? Was he was he genuinely undecided until that moment? Because saying it that firmly would suggest not. I don't know. I don't know, I man.
0: Think- Sophos's father's support is not guaranteed. Like, it's genuinely based in what he has seen of Sophos's character. Mm-hmm. He's not just, I support this kid being king because this is my son. Because he had been very, um, like, he wanted his son to be the heir to the throne, but then Sophos was a disappointment in his eyes, and so he was cool with, you know, eventually he'll be replaced. But now, this is happening, and Sophos is worthy, by his standards, whatever they are. Does he
1: swear in this chapter? Oh my god, yes. Because, uh, in my notes I have, uh, Sophos is the only Queen's Eve narrator who swears, I think. He, uh, he says in this chapter, uh, when Acritinesh says, like, oh, why don't you come up to my rooms and we'll discuss it. His internal narration says... malicious son of a bitch over my dead body am I discussing (gasps) anything with you (gasps) Sofa. I know and then something else too I forget what the second square was but I was paying attention if if you could
0: insert one F word into the Queen's Thief series where would it be (laughs) I think it would be I, I can't, I honestly can't remember if we've sworn on this podcast and we have the explicit label or not. We have, think I think it would be, um,
1: uh, when I'm willing to marry you, I will wear your effing <laughs> I feel like there's something significant to be, hmm, to be concluded about that, that Sophus is the only one.
0: He's got a lot we of anger what? in him that's been kind of bubbling under the surface for a long
1: time. Mm-hmm.
0: We don't see a whole lot of Atolia's point of view, but I feel like she's just swearing constantly in her internal monologue.
1: <laughs> oh, she does swear, actually. I'm wrong. Sophos isn't the only one, but not... It just says, like, the queen swore with ferocity when... At the at uh, the end of Queen of Atolia, remember? When uh, they think the, the fort is about to be seized. Speaking of words, I learned the meaning of two words today that I did not know. Arbalest... A crossbow with a special mechanism for drawing back and releasing the string. Interesting.
0: It's a really big crossbow. Apparently, a skilled wielder of it could fire two bolts
1: per minute. That's cool. Thanks, Wikipedia. And erstwhile was the second word, which just means former, which is not at all what I thought it meant. It's just one of those words that you see and you just never look up. (laughs) <laughs> so, I've had the wrong impression about this word for, like, 15 years. Whatever. Sophos brings up uh, Polystrictus and the dog and the wolf again. Um, you know what? I'm gonna find the quote. Yeah, he says, I remembered Polystrictus and his goats. I wasn't sure if I had a wolf or a dog, but I knew how to tell the difference. A dog does what you tell it to. And then he shouts her bazarus So... Is this about seeing, like, is he trying to tell if the barons are wolves or dogs? Like, are they a danger to him? You know? Are the barons going to do what they tell him to so he can trust them or not? Or is, or is the himself? the dog? Mm-hmm.
0: I like that a baron is immediately offended because Basmus <laughs> isn't a landowner and stuff. <laughs> it's like, are you serious right now? You want to do this now? And we have just been talking last episode about how Sophos is assuring the barons that we're not going to shake up the class system. This is just a little itty bitty
1: shake up though. A five (laughs) minute thing doesn't even really count. I caught something on this reread in this, this paragraph that I never did before. It answers a question for me. I always wondered on previous rereads, I never understood... Um, what exactly Basarus and Hanactia are doing for Sophos but it says uh, that Basarus could tell him who he, Basarus had seen work with Hanactos but not who would be useful to him now and then um and then I guess Hanactia is the one who can tell him who's useful to him right now mhm which is very interesting because it implies you know, she has to know all about the conspiracy. Who's who? Who did what? Who's important? Who wasn't? In order to be useful as she is in this chapter, so that's cool that another woman has a a pivotal role here, even though she wasn't... even though maybe she wasn't supposed to.
0: Mm. Hanactia comes in with Barone and is trying to use gender to her advantage. Like she presents herself and her daughter as, oh, we are the wronged and helpless widow and daughter. And now, you know, you must marry my daughter. And, um,
1: But you know, it does work on him emotionally, even though he's not gonna let his emotions influence his political decisions, but he narrates, my conscience hit me from behind. Yeah. So again, just like the beginning of the book, why does Baron bring out such conscience fits in him?
0: I mean, he did just kill her father.
1: Uh, yeah, he he okay. very
0: much shot her father. You dead. know, I
1: forgot about that when I was asking, but yes,
0: <laughs> and it's not her fault. <laughs> yeah, like Hanahtia, he he doesn't have sympathy for because she was in on it, but Baron mm-hmm. wasn't in on
1: it. Mm-hmm. One more thing I saw, I wanted to bring up and ask what you think about it. Um, in the scene where he finds out that, uh, the Mead soldiers have, uh, like, 10,000 more than he thought, he says- That's a lot of guys. I know, it's crazy. And they only have, like, less than 2,000. like, oh. He says- so he's, like, screaming and swearing and whatever, and he narrates, like, this wasn't mature. Like, I was now acting as I should have acted when I was five, and people took my toys. But it says- He says, he narrates that um, his barons and his father weren't thrown at all and they thought this was how a king behaved, even though it was Mm -hmm. immature. So I just wanted to contrast that with, like, you know, Jen is always painted as a very immature king in a different way. Like, Mm. I just think it's interesting that these are both, I guess you could say, they have similar immature behaviors, but... One person is more frowned on for it than the other.
0: Yeah, it definitely feels like you know, like so- in 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 Sunis and in Atolia, there are different expectations. Yeah. About like what is king like? Yeah. And this chapter ends, with Atollus has sent more men, and it's Atollus, of course, not Atolia, because it is Jen with whom Sophos has made this treaty. Although, of course, literally speaking, probably, the person who organized all those guys,
1: uh, and had them sent, is, I would put money on it being Atolia. Yeah, I think that's brought up when they get back. That, uh, Jen says that he had the men, but Atolia told her, told him where to send them.
0: Cause she's the strategist of the two of them mm-hmm. when it comes to war. Teamwork. Teamwork. That's marriage. <laughs> Chapter 19, Part 2. Next time, Sophos is finally reunited with his mother and sisters. Also, there's more war or something.
1: Send us your comments, questions, thoughts. Chime in at atolianarchives.tumblr.com.
0: Be blessed in your endeavors, and long live the Lion of Sunis! Thank you
1: for listening. This has been an amateur embroidery production on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, anywhere podcasts are available.